It's time for Speaking of Speaking, quick tips and tools to take you from stage fright to spotlight. This podcast gives you an inside look from the world of public speaking and speaking secrets you need to be bold from the stage, no matter what business you're in. The host of Speaking of Speaking, Carl Richards. Thank you, Matt. And yes, welcome to another edition of Speaking of Speaking. One of the things that we talked about very early on in this podcast, and it's come up a couple of times since then too, but it's been a while since we've really taken a deep dive into this, is the power of story. If it wasn't for stories, a lot of speakers would not be on stage or any virtual stage, even for that matter, because stories are very powerful. And our guest today is an expert. It's actually part of what he does. And we're going to take a deep dive into that with him. And our guest today is Tom Jacobs. Tom has been an entrepreneur for over 30 years. He's definitely had more failures than successes, but wouldn't have it any other way. Spoken like a true entrepreneur. He sold his fitness business, which he owned for nine years, to become the impact pilot, helping entrepreneurs generate more income through better sales, strategy, and using stories to sell. And that's why I'm so glad that Tom is joining us today as we welcome Tom to Speaking of Speaking. Welcome, Tom. Thanks for having me. Good to be here, Carl. It's nice to talk to an entrepreneur that, how was it worded again, has had more failures than successes. Because I think that people look at the entrepreneurial journey and they say, oh, it's so easy. You're an overnight success. And I think an overnight success is at least nine years, or is it longer than that? And I think it's 10 years in the making, right? <laughs> takes 10 years to be an overnight success. I think that's Oh, is it that? Okay. It's funny because when I worked in broadcasting, one of the artists that would come into our radio station from time to time, a Canadian country singer, and a lot of people would say, oh, you're so successful. It's been easy for you. He's like, yeah, I'm a 20-year overnight success. It took that long. So 10 minimum, but if it's 20, uh, don't let that bother you. But your journey has certainly been an interesting one. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So, you know, 30 years in being an entrepreneur. So it actually started in high school and I was a mobile DJ and a string quartet. And and I always tell this story because I find it very funny now that I knew what direct response marketing was before I knew what direct response marketing was. So this is what I would do on Sundays. I would go through the Sunday paper. That's when they actually had paper. An actual physical paper. Yep. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) And I would go and look at the engagement announcements and I would write down all the brides and names. And then I would go to the white pages. So the phone book. Right. And look up the brides because they had the address and the phone number in. So let me get this right. You're using a newspaper and a telephone book. book. And if I recall correctly, the telephone book would have been what about the size of a pulpit Bible, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, yeah, probably like. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Carry on. Well, because you had the white pages part of it and the yellow pages part. And I lived in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So there were 100,000 people. (laughs) in this book. So I would look up the address. I had a typed out letter that I would then send to the bride-to-be and offering my DJ services and or the string quartet. It was great fun. And I did get clients from it, which is... You know, it's pretty amazing. But then, you know, obviously go to school and in school, get the job, work in corporate for whatever and retire. That was kind of the mantra that was instilled in me. So I did go to school. I got a degree in theater management of all things. And the first job offer that I got out of school in the theater was a box office assistant manager at an off-loop theater in Chicago. 
making fifteen thousand dollars a year in nineteen ninety four. And which was not bad money back then, but it certainly wasn't going to make you independently wealthy in a well, heartbeat, that's I mean, for sure. It's Chicago. And you know, I had two habits that really needed to be fed, which were living inside and eating. At 15000 a year, even in 1994, that was uh, pretty difficult in Chicago. So that's when I decided to go into corporate work. So right. I started working in corporate for 12 years. And I always had a side gig when working. I owned a blinds company. We made shutters. It just really kind of random things until the fitness opportunity came about and came about because of my own fitness journey. So I was overweight, got healthy. People were asking me like, how are you doing this? And I started sharing kind of my journey and I was like, Hey, this could be a business. And so I got certified as a personal trainer and then bought a gym. And that was the first kind of entrepreneurial thing that I did that was all in. I had no safety net. I burned the bridges, so to speak. So I quit my you know six-figure corporate job, dumped out my 401k, and bought this existing facility and expanded it quite quickly. And that started kind of the whole all-in of the entrepreneurial journey. Which is a very brave step to take <laughs> at the best of times, but dumping everything into it. I mean, I've watched... In Canada, we have Dragon's Den, which is the equivalent of Shark Tank. And I know that they appreciate when entrepreneurs who are coming in to do their pitch, they're all in because they know they have that hunger, that spark, that dedication to, and that they're going to work at it as opposed to, yeah, it's a part-time gig while I'm trying to figure out, you know, everything. So the fact that you did that, and I'm going to get some naysayers in the background going, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. Ditching yeah. your corporate gig to do that. But this is how the journey began. And I'm assuming, too, that this is all part of the story that you tell people. Absolutely. Because when I jumped all in, you know, even though I had been managing millions of dollars of corporate money, managing freight and negotiating contracts, I had no earthly idea how to run a small business. It's completely different because you're doing everything. You're the janitor, you're the accountant, you're the CEO, you're the trainer on the floor, the front desk and all that. And within six months, I was just about broke. So I went through my entire 401k and just wasn't getting it. And at that point, I finally got some help and, you know, I got a business coach that kind of guided me and helped me along. And we identified that sales was really my weak point. And I was like, well, yeah, well, if people want it, they can just come in and buy it. Like that was my sales tactic. <laughs> and finally just going through and learning and being a student of sales, because finally it dawned on me that that's the only thing that makes business work is when somebody buys something and it takes you know, a good salesperson to be able to sell at a high level. And so I started studying and came up with a whole program on how to sell consultatively versus what I would consider combatively. <laughs> so really allowing the prospect to purchase from you versus having to push a sale on somebody. Mm -hmm. And once I kind of dialed that in, the next year I quadrupled the business just because I learned how to sell. And having come from the broadcast world, I learned fairly early on that everything is sales. I hated hearing that because I'm in the artistic space. I want to be an on-air DJ. Like you, I did some mobile DJ work as well. Also had a side gig. Radio people don't make a ton of money. Also did 
Dell, working in radio, did mobile DJ work then, but didn't realize the power of sales. And this is a standing joke that the best salesperson is a married person because they've convinced someone to live their whole <laughs> life with them, right? So if you've convinced someone to live your whole life with you, you can do sales. Since being in the entrepreneurial space, now full-time, I started part-time doing speaker training, which is where this podcast came from, but now full-time doing an extension of that is now podcasting and running an agency and helping people in the virtual space. But understanding that people get hung up with that word sales and they'll say, I hate <clears throat> sales, right? And I want to just quickly talk about this because I want to get into the storytelling meat of where I want this conversation to go. I've discovered it's not about sales. It kind of is, but it's more about service. And we get hung up on the word sales. And as soon as I shifted the word sales to service, not only did my mindset shift, but my people that I'm able to bring in as clients, the number of them, my closing ratio went up substantially. Yeah, absolutely. It's solution selling, right? Because people come to you for a problem. Mm -hmm. You have a solution for it. And Hopefully, through the investigative work that you do, just the questions that you ask, you learn what those problems are that the prospect has. And if your solution is a good fit, then great. If not, refer them on to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. In the service industry, kind of like where I come out of yeah. fitness and wellness and all that, so many of the practitioners are really great practitioners and are introverted and are mm -hmm. very caring people. And so that whole aspect of selling gets really tied up with like a lot of just junk in the head versus I want to help somebody and I need to service somebody at the highest level. How can I do that today? And if it means them buying your $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 program, then that's what it is. Let's talk about that then, because I think that this is going to get right into the power or the importance of storytelling, because storytelling, in my experience, and I'm really glad that we're having this conversation today, because it's always good to reinforce it with somebody that's, you know, walking the walk, talking the talk. But how important is storytelling in this process of making the sale, getting the sale? It's critical. And there's really two types of stories that are really important to share with your prospect. So the first is your own personal story. And it's not like being very, oh, it's all about me, me, me. But it's, this is why I'm capable of helping you because I've gone through something similar or I've had a family member go through something similar, but it's some way tying to that prospect and getting them to know, like, and trust you at a deeper level. So that's the first story that you need to really master. And then the second story are testimonial stories. So stories of clients that you've helped and have transformed from where they were, basically where that prospect is sitting to where that prospect wants to be. That's why it's so important in sales, because nobody can argue with a story. But people can argue with the facts and figures that you tell them. But a story, they can't really argue with you. It's the story. Mm -hmm. So that's why stories make that neuro connection in the brain as well between the storyteller and the story receiver. There was a study at Princeton that was done, and they showed on a functional MRI that the same parts of the brain were lighting up from the storyteller to the story receiver. And so there's just this whole neuro connection as well that, you know, stories look at two speakers, one's telling a really engaging story and the other one is going through a chart on PowerPoint, which audience is falling asleep. 
you know, death by PowerPoint. But the story, you know, people are just leaning forward and they're wanting to learn more. Not only that, but Tom, people love stories. There's a reason why franchises, you know, Star Wars, you know, Lucas, there's a reason why. It's not because of the plans for the Death Star or the you know science and nature part of Tatooine, or it's about the story. Yeah, okay, all of those things give scenery. And again, I'm really watering this down a little bit, but if it wasn't for the storyline, if it wasn't for and that continuous storyline or the evolution of it, it's been around for gosh, I mean, I remember seeing it as a kid. So it's been at yeah. least 45 years and the story is still alive. The story is still alive. So that's the power of story as opposed Mm -hmm. to, as you say, the PowerPoint that puts people to sleep and isn't engaging, or you really have to work really hard Mm -hmm. to engage when you're doing a scientific or some type of, you know, deeply documented sharing that information on a stage with graphs and charts and whatever, If you're not engaging in your presentation, and I'm saying this because I know in the financial, I don't know about real estate, but certainly in the financial world, there are a lot of companies that rely on you know recruiting and open houses and those kinds of things. And there are presentations that are put together, speaking of death by PowerPoint, that are put together and expected to talk <laughs> to the slides. No, don't talk to the slides. Show that information as boring as cold dishwater as it is. And I say that respectfully because I know it's important and relevant information. But tell the story that goes along with it. And I know I'm preaching to the wrong guy, but I do want your take on that because there are companies that need to hear this. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, numbers do tell stories. So there's always a story somewhere in there that you can relate to people. And you touched on the Star Wars franchise and Lucas uses the same formula of every good Hollywood movie out there. And that's the hero's journey. And if you can master the hero's journey, which is super simple to do, and even in like CPA land, you know, where you're going through, you know, facts and figures, you can still weave a story in there. And I have helped accountants, mm. you know, come up with stories that inspire their prospects to take action and actually buy their services. Are there any, in your experience, have you noticed anything or any type of story that some entrepreneurs will tell that they shouldn't? So for example, like telling other people's stories, like through history or something like that. And what's the challenge in that? How does that water down their content? I think telling somebody else's story is almost a cop-out, if you will. And that's my humble opinion, because we all have our own individual stories that we can share. We have hundreds of them in our memory banks if we care to take them out. In the world of selling as well, we sell to people. It's people buying from people. And it comes back to that relationship that you try to establish with your prospect that they get to know, like, and trust you. And the best way to do that is telling personal stories about yourself, not about Thomas Edison or Benjamin Franklin and anything like other people in history. Why is it that you think sometimes we do just not tell our own story? We'll rely on, you know, people in history or other people's stories. Is it that we don't want to be seen as vulnerable? Yeah, absolutely. It's fear. And it's either I don't want to be seen as vulnerable or I'm embarrassed by my Mm. own story or 
it's like, I don't see the relevance between my story and the product that I'm selling. And that's actually a really bad excuse because there can always be a bridge between your own personal story and the product or service that you're selling. It's pretty easy to put that bridge together. So without giving away the store, because we want people to be able to, you know, we want the listeners to be able to, after listening to this episode, reach out to you and get more information or even, you know, take advantage of your expertise and your services. What are some simple things that people can do to move into that place where they're focusing on highly impactful stories that's moving the listener to action as opposed to, you know, inaction? Boring them to death. Yeah, boring them to death. That's maybe a better better choice of words. Yeah. So the first thing, and actually it's the gift that I want to give your audience as well as the storybook. And in there is an exercise on pulling stories out from your life. And so that's always the first thing that I have clients do is just make a list of events in their life that it could be a story. And I try to coach them on, don't put any judgment on it. It's just, you know, all the story. And so that's the first step is just get the stories down on paper. The second step is probably the most important part of that is then going through and feeling yourself in that story, like taking yourself back to that time when it was actually happening, each one of those stories. And what I asked them to do is you know, identify two or three of those stories where they actually had a visceral reaction to it. Their heart rate started to increase, their breath was starting to increase as well. And those are the stories to really dive into because they have an emotional reaction in yourself. And if you can harvest that, then you can relay that onto your audience as well. And it is super, super powerful. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing that with the audience today. We'll certainly make sure those links are in the show notes for people. Tom, it's great chatting with you today. Tom Jacobs has been my guest today. We've touched on so many points. We we talked about your entrepreneurial journey. If you're an entrepreneur and you're in the trenches and you're going, oh, how much longer? It's okay. Tom says 10 years. I said 20. So, But it's a journey and it's your journey. But certainly if you have any questions or if you need any assistance, Tom can assist you in that. We'll make sure his links are in the show notes, be it you know, increasing your sales, telling impactful stories, public speaking, consulting, whatever it is. Uh, Tom's your guy. Tom can certainly help you with that. And I'm going to give you the final thought before I turn you loose onto the world to help a bunch of people out. You know, when it comes to storytelling and telling your own personal story, it is so, so very important that you're able to share a piece of yourself with your prospect because that is what connects people together. And the power of story And just being able to relate to other people in different cultures or lifestyles or whatever it happens to be is so, so very important. So I encourage everybody to find their story and to share that story. Powerful place to end it, Tom. Thanks so much for bringing that powerful end to our conversation today. Thank you very much. And remember, get out there and own the platform. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Fired up about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Be sure to visit carlspeaks.ca. And don't forget to follow Carl on Twitter at carlrichard72 or join the Facebook group Speaking of Speaking. 